Welcome back to Inside Motorsports. I'm here with Chris Pither as he's just mid-term, so to speak, on his role as the DSO, Driving Standards Officer, for the Toyota Race Series. Welcome on board, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, you've just come back. You've had the weekend at uh, Teratonga. It was rained out or gailed out. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's kind of not surprising down there at, uh, at Teratonga. I've been there in the past, and uh, I've seen marquees in up on the front straight and, uh, and a foot of water in the pit lane. So, um, yeah, a little bit um, interesting. A few people probably didn't probably completely understand why it was why it was um, why the decision was made not to run on the Sunday, but. I was there uh, till about 9pm on Saturday night and uh, it was all hands on deck just to try and ensure uh, the awnings didn't blow, blow away and things get damaged and people get hurt so um, you know everyone was involved with, with sort of making the decision from um, teams um, who also had the driver's views and and uh, and, and obviously the, the category management and Toyota as well and it was decided there was in the best safety of, of everyone involved from the drivers and the cars and also the, the crew um, not, not to proceed for the day um, um, which is disappointing but ultimately those races that were lost will be made up in the next two rounds at, at Hampton Downs and Taubo. Right. Now you of course have a history in the Toyota series because you were in the inaugural one back in 05. Yeah, um, when I think about it now, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but um, <laughs> you know, this is the 15th anniversary of the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand, and um, it, it shows how fast time does go, but uh, I have great memories from my year in the series back then, and um, you know, it's, it's evolved a lot since I was involved, um, and, and it's just great to see the depth of, of drivers that are coming across now and competing uh, in the, in the five-round championship. It's an amazing to think 16 drivers and with 10 nationalities. I mean, there's not a Mexican, there's not an Eskimo, but damn near everything else. There, there, there is, and, and and when you look at the category as well, and look at um, drivers that have been um, through the series over the 15 years, and and, and look at where some of them are now, um, it re really uh, sort of highlight highlights the fact that it is a a, a category that you know. Um, everybody around the world respects and, and sees opportunity to, to hone their craft. Now this is a new Tata chassis, it was brought in two years ago, I think this is the third year with them, I think, maybe. Couple more, yeah, yeah. yep. Um, and you've never driven this car, I suppose? I haven't, no, no, I haven't driven the new car. It, it's a little bit different to the previous model, the FT40. Um, the FT50 is just updated, the, the aero's a little bit different, um, but ultimately the same. Halo on board. No, no, no halo. No, it doesn't no, have halo. No, no okay. halo. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been around for a little bit, a little bit longer um, since halos have started right, to be introduced. But, but that will come probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you know they might be looking at at a new car in the next um, couple of years. Uh, in, in which case, I expect there'll be a halo car. So um, yeah, the, the whole package itself is. is um, you know, in terms of spec, probably not too far off an F3 car. It runs the same tyre, so yeah. it's quite relevant for a lot of guys that are looking to make that 70 F3 as well. So, um, yeah, it's a it's good category, nice and uh, nice and tight and, and solid 15 car field. Talking with Bruin, um, as we do on a regular basis about it, he thought that there were no sort of silly drivers in it, that, that everybody seemed to be reasonably sort of like, this is a career defining sort of moment that so that no one's sort of just jamming it down the inside yeah yeah you know in my position as the, the driving standards observer um, I see it all so uh, 
It, it's been pretty good, the, the first two events. We had the, the first round at Highlands uh, two, two weeks ago to, to kick the season off, and then obviously the weekend just being at, at Teratonga. And um, the racing has been really close, um, lots of wheel-to-wheel stuff, um, a little bit of bumping, but nothing, nothing too severe. And, uh, yeah, the guys, I think, um, you know, they're, they're, although they're young, they do have a lot of experience in categories that I've been through to get to this point, and, and they're racing hard, but at the same time they want to, you know, I think they realise that the category is watched by a lot of people and they, they want to do the right thing. So um, everyone's driving driving well, driving aggressive, but um, but driving, uh, driving um, you know, within themselves at the same time. Have you done this role in other categories? I have. I've been the driving stands advisor for selected rounds in F4 series here in Australia, um, as well as uh, the, the Radical series. Uh, the first uh, involvement I had with the, the TRS uh, category in terms of the driving stands observer was last year at at, uh, at Taupo when I filled, filled in for Dan Gaunt, who's been uh, who's been in that position for a number of years now. But he had commitments at the Bathurst 12 hour, so um, I stepped in for him for that event, and then um, obviously uh, on board um, for the full series this year. Right, and of course uh, it must be very pleasing to be a New Zealander, originally from Palmerston North. Um, it must be pleasing to go back and, and be involved in a series that run so professionally and done to such a high level. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm, I'm a proud Kiwi, and uh, yeah, to, to go back there and, and see how the series has evolved over such a long time from the first year when I was involved is, is, is really cool to see. I, um, 15 years for a category is a, a, a long time and to see it's still so healthy and, and people wanting to come to New Zealand and wanting to, to race on our circuits is uh, is, is, is cool and um, on, on, although I'd probably like to be in a car, driving a car, it's uh, it's great to be involved and, and I enjoy seeing everyone progress. And of course this is the second year since Barry Tomlinson, who was the, the original man who organised it, he and his wife, um, second year that uh, it's been run by other people. Um, it dipped a little bit the first year when Barry had left. Yeah, the, uh, Barry and Louise uh, Thomason have been uh, the category management since the, since the start uh, back in 2005. So, you know, they had a lot of knowledge and, and expertise in, in running the category. And naturally, when when they changed, uh, when the positions changed in the, in the management there, um, you know, probably. Yeah, there's a lot of information that, that would have probably um, gone at that point, so it, it did have a little lull there, but I think it's back up to what it was now quite comfortably and, and, and on the way up still. So uh, it might have been a bit of a learning process for that first year, but uh, Nico and, and Sarah, who are, who are running the, the, the series now, are uh, building it up again and, and doing a great job. And, of course, one of the big things is there are a number of drivers. I mean, this year, for the first time, there's a Japanese driver. He's not just a Japanese driver, Kotaku, I think it is. Not just a Japanese driver, he's a Tom's Toyota driver. Um, and uh, he and uh, Lucas R, who's been, uh, who's been a uh, Mercedes DDM driver the last four years, they're both factory drivers. And uh, for them to be sent down to come and tune themselves up is a great fillip for the series. Um, the alumni of TRS, the guys who are in Formula One, I mean of course the obvious ones were Brendan Hartley, um, Lance Stroll, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, there are a couple of other, Lando Norris, and a couple of other ones as well, 
I mean, it has an enormous impact on the world, doesn't it, this Toyota series? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, you know, if you sat down and really thought about it, the list would be quite big to to, uh, to put them all down on paper. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, there's there's lots of drivers, even in the category this year, that have already established fairly, um, you know, um, high-profile um, relationships with teams from um, the Ferrari Driving Academy to, to Tom's Toyota in, in Australia. So um, it, it sort of, I, I guess, emphasises the fact that those those teams at that level respect the series and, and, and see it as a, um, you know, a true breeding ground for the young talent too. And um, yeah, it's uh, I think it's exciting times. Yeah, so you're getting ready to fly back uh, tomorrow to uh, Auckland to go for the Hampton Downs around this weekend. And of course there's uh, four races uh, this weekend because of one pickup from uh, Teratonga. A typical weekend for you starts on Thursday when the cars are on track. And this is one of the interesting things about this series. I mean, five rounds and in 30 days they get at least 20 on track. So it's an extraordinary amount of uh, track time for them. A huge amount, you know. It's um, it's pretty rare when you get uh, get to test on Thursday in any category. But these guys are doing uh, five events over five weeks um, with, with Thursday testing. So uh, I'm not sure of exactly how many kilometres each driver is going to end up achieving. But it's a, it's a serious amount of driving a short period of time. And and the fact that it's you know in our summer Europe, you know, don't have a lot going on at this time. So it works well and, and really gets guys up to speed before they go home and, and get into their, their chosen category um, for their full season. So uh, in, t- in terms of uh, the, the weekend itself, you know, you're there on the Thursday obviously getting set up and, and, and the cars are on track from Thursday and, and, and my position um, as a DSO is, uh, you know, in, in race control for every session uh, and just overseeing things throughout practice and then... Uh, uh, have a large involvement with the driver briefings as well. So uh, going through all the track-specific stuff and, and reviewing incidents that have occurred at previous rounds, uh, the previous round, or, or also incidents that have been at that circuit in previous years, and go, and go through things um, more so to try and uh, educate the, the, the drivers where we can about what's acceptable and what's not to try and prevent things from happening. So the guys can go out there um, with, a, with a clear mindset of what they can do and what they can't do and, and, and race hard, but understand what's... Uh, What's, what's going to be deemed acceptable and what's not, so they can uh, have a good go. All right, and um, so you've got another three rounds to go and uh, plenty of racing to go on in that time. Um, what are the highlights coming up for you? I mean, obviously, tracks like Hampton Downs is a well-organised, very late you know, track. It's, it's, it's well-built and all things, compared to, say, a Teratonga, which is unchanged for many, many years. It's a very different scenario. Yeah, it is. You know, I actually hadn't been to Highlands Motorsport Park before myself. I haven't hadn't driven around the track until I got there, and um, when there was a bit of a uh, bit of a break, I uh, jumped in a road car and cut a few laps, grabbed the opportunity to have a look around. But uh, um, Highlands is a really impressive place, and to kick the championship off there, I think um, probably surprise a few people at the the, the level of the facility, and then um, you go to Teratonga the next weekend. It's not quite the, quite the same, and. Uh, they usually paint the rubbish bin from here to year. <laughs> yeah. The one that's on the gate yeah. on the right hand side. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's been there a long time, Teratonga. But you know, it's a very much a, a, a club venue. Um, everyone there's volunteers, and they actually do an exceptional exceptional job to 
to um, maintain the, the place. It's immaculate when you go there. It's just um, it's a basic circuit, but I think it actually creates good racing at, at Tiratonga because there's uh, less opportunity to gain an advantage. So the small differences make for me a bigger difference. So it's, I think it's an exciting circuit. And then obviously with Hampton um, with Hampton Downs. Uh, uh, being relatively new, it's a uh, yeah, impressive, impressive facility as well. And I haven't actually been there and, and driven on the track since it was uh, extended. I, yeah. I raced there in, in V8 Utes yep. uh, a few years ago on the, on the shorter track and, and really enjoyed the place. So I think the guys there will, uh, will enjoy it too. I think it probably suits the, the single-seater car. Yeah. Um, I've said for a long time about uh, motorsport, and this is particularly having conversations with like Ross and Jimmy Stone and others, Jimmy Hewlett's and all the other blokes in McElroy's in, in motorsport. The always thing that seems obvious to me is that motorsport in New Zealand is, is greater importance than it does in Australia. Everybody knows somebody in New Zealand who competes in some way or makes cars or does something or other, whereas that's not the case in Australia. I mean, you know, Cochrane for years uh, was delusional enough to go around and say, oh, we're the third most popular sport. Well, obviously we're not because, you know, it slips down off the page very, very quickly. We don't have drivers who are going off abusing women or getting drunk and taking clothes off or anything like that. So, um, but, yeah, motorsport, you've been here long enough now that you can see the difference between the two countries. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I guess it's hard to understand why that is, but um, New Zealand's, I think, got a similar population to what Sydney does, so it's obviously relatively small in terms of population, but ultimately, um, Kiwis are just passion- passionate, um, you know, they... When you look back and you think about guys like Bruce McLaren and and Burt Munro and people like that, they just like getting their hands dirty, like uh, like a bit of ingenuity and and, and getting getting into it. It's a can-do attitude, though. Exactly right, yeah. And and, um, I remember when I was young, going to Manfield, which was my local tracking, and going out there as a you know a a six to ten year old and, and, and watching motorsport at that time, it was absolutely massive and. and and um, it, was, it was a thing to do, and everyone knew where there was a van on, and everyone went to it. And um, yeah, it's 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 still got a massive following now. And and yeah, I, I don't I don't know why it's so popular. And I, and I guess you look at drivers as well that come out of New Zealand. It, it's it's same as for the size of the country. There's a lot of a lot of guys doing a lot of pretty cool things around the world um, at this point. And succeeding at doing it. Yeah, so I, I don't know what causes that, but um, well, I, I'm, I'm happy I, I'm a Kiwi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the interesting things is that the very size of the country, the size of the population, the size of motorsport New Zealand, where there's not much in the way of professional sport, it's to the betterment of the country, not not to a disadvantage it. In that, I don't in Australia, young go kart kids they've got their autograph down pat by the age of twelve. New Zealand kids don't. I mean, you've only, you know Shane Van Gisbergen, you know Scotty McLaughlin. These are kids that just wanted to race. And the interesting thing is their eyes were set on supercars. They weren't you know, starry-eyed to think they can get to Formula 1. Um, they knew where their limit was. In the same way, you obviously want to be a full-time professional in motorsport. You'd love to be doing it with the supercars. You, you had a couple of goes at it. Um, but New Zealand motorsport's in a good shape, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is, and I think uh, I think you're exactly right. You, you look at it and you see. 
on weekends like the two I've just been at, and, and you look at guys that are doing, you know, maybe the Toyota 86 racing series over there, or if it's the New Zealand V8 series, a lot of them are just, you know, families having a go as well, and they're, they're making it work one way or another, and they're having to, um, they're having to put a lot of effort into to piecing it all together, but they'll make it happen one way or another, and if it, uh, you know, it, yeah, it might be a challenge for them, but I think that that effort that they put in at a younger age may, I guess, evolve them as a driver and, and create that, that drive that, that you know, they need to, to carry on to, to bigger things. All right, well, that's uh, Chris Pither as the uh, TRS DSO. Um, we'll catch up with him at the end of the series and talk about the, the drivers that shone, the Liam Lawsons and Marcus Armstrongs and Lucas Owls. Find out, you know, what were the highlights for him of the uh, series. So thanks very much for joining us today, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.